Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and in this episode of Fantasy Lore and More, we have Mary E. Jung, and she's joining me to talk about her book, Blossom and Bone. So welcome, Mary, and let's talk about Blossom and Bone. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited for this. Um, yeah, so Blossom and Bone, um, I'll hold it up here for everybody to to see. And um, so the oh, just two- describe it, two yeah. <laughs> Yep, there's two cover models um, that are sweetly looking at each other um, on the front. And I actually know these cover models. Um, they're my friends and they posed for me um, so that I could get like this really kind of um, special intimate moment with um, the main characters. And uh, then it's got kind of like magic and the and some rose vines and this kind of old world background. And um, so it's uh, it's. The, the story is really kind of a, a mixture of things. It's a nice kind of trifecta of cozy mystery, cozy fantasy, and then cozy romance. So um, a little bit of horror in there, but nothing like super scary, like just teeny tiny, like, you know, kind of zombie lore to kind of, you know, bring in uh, the magic that goes along with the male main character. Um, I write old world fantasy. I I have one that's epic, and then I have this, which is romantic. And um, in this particular story we have, uh, in this particular series, it's um, centered around witches. So we have um, a plant witch in this book as the female main character, and we have a bone witch as the male main character. So one of them has um, the power to... Um, speak with plants and work with plants, grow different things. And she's very scientific. And um, so it's, we, this also has a nice balance of science and magic that kind of come together as well. And then the male main character, he deals with death magic. So divination through bones and uh, speaking with spirits. And like I said, <laughs> animation of the dead too. So um the uh, premise behind the book is that um, the female main character makes something called a flower mate. So she genetically modifies a plant that when the sower uh, grows the plant, it will mimic their image and emotional um, response to true love. So whatever that person is thinking of as true love or something that's like hidden inside their heart that they're not really sure about. As the plant grows, it learns these different characteristics and then bonds with the person. And so uh, it out, out comes an actual person, but it's a plant. So um, even though it looks like a, a human-esque creature, it's, it's a plant. And so it survives for one full day and one full night, and then it withers and dies along with the original plant that it birthed from. And um, so these, um, the kind of blurb around here that um, on the back of the book is experience true love and discover hidden heart desires, but beware of the allure of illusion. So this comes into play with the flower mates because although these are so pretty and so wonderful and really nice to, you know, have for people seeking um, their heart's desires, there's also this kind of background um, uh, warning that you can get addicted to this kind of thing too, because 
she's not um, guaranteeing that you'll find true love and she's not guaranteeing that this will be a lifelong mate. What she's doing is finding a pathway to discovering what could be your true love. And then you go out and find that in real life or, you know, you experience something that, you know, kind of inspires you, that kind of a thing. And so um, as the story develops, we see that um, the kind of negative side of these flower mates start to crop up and then a murder mystery happens. It's very exciting. Um, and then Zephyrl, and so that's Ame, the main female main character. And then Zephyrl, he comes into play with um, a spirit who comes to him and the spirit wants to... Um, to help have him. the spirit is lost and he has to find out who murdered him and that kind of thing and then their paths cross so they're they're both kind of searching for the same person who committed all these murders and they kind of things start to interconnect and you know you'll have to read the book to see what happens but yeah that's the that's the kind of premise behind the the story um so yeah, it's it's just it's a nice little read. Um, it's an introduction to the series. There's three books in the series. Blossom and Bone is the first one. Spindle and Shears is the second one. And then Divine and Devour is my third one. And um, they are standalones within a series. So there's a new couple and a new story within uh, each book. You can read them separately. Although with uh, Divine and Devour, I do recommend reading Blossom and Bone first because I have some cameo characters that come back into play in that book. Um, but Spindle and Shears, you could completely read that one first. It wouldn't affect the overall arc of the stories or spoil anything. So I wait, I got a quick question. Yeah, so Spindle and Shears, like I hear like Spindle, I think of like Sleeping Beauty. Is there any is there any, is that like deliberate or is that totally like not, that's, is that not, that's, or am I just off base with that? Uh, no, no, no. You're, uh, yeah. So, um, so here's Spindle and Shears and the, the cover is uh, again with two um, models on the front and the male main character is holding scissors and there's like magical ribbons coming around him. And uh, so, yeah, this is about a, um, this started out with the spindle lore that came from Italy and they believed that the, the spindle um, could ward off evil spirits. And they actually used like uh, nine spindles to um, put to nail into the ground to keep vampires from rising. So um, I really liked this kind of lore around that. So that's where it kind of stemmed from. And also like the weaving and the spinning. Uh, spinning is also a form of divination. So that's how that kind of, you know, birthed um, into this book. So this one is also um, a, a mystery, but it's about curses. And it's a little darker than um, Blossom and Bow, but not by much. It's still cozy. And uh, so that's about, it's a sewing competition and there's a monster in there. And that one's really cool. But yeah, that's, it, it is a little a little bit like um, Sleeping Beauty that did kind of, you know, burst itself from that that mentality. That's really cool. Do you want to go into an excerpt or is do you want to talk more about it? Sure. Yeah, no, I can read. Um, I'll read the, the first few pages here. Um, so it's dual point of view and um, in third person. 
So uh, Ame will have a chapter and then Zephyr will have a chapter and so on and so forth. Uh, so this is the first chapter and it's from Ame's point of view. Ame Floreo, an erudite vegetation witch, lived in Aquitus, the capital of Libra. Her rose pink shop on Soul Street was nestled between an apothecary and a bone consultation establishment. Seeds of Love, the name of her store, was painted across the azure signboard in stunning gold calligraphy. White gingerbread trim gave the three-story architecture a beguiling ambiance. The sun dispersed rainbow streams of light that refracted off the crystal hearts embedded in the window frames. Inside the welcoming plant shop, Ame bent over a wooden work table in her research lab. She squinted at the magic flower mate doing its damnedest to evade her scalpel. Hold still, please. I need to collect your seeds. In rebellion, the head of the mutated orchid jerked to the right. The crimson slaviform petals fanned outward like a shepherdess bonnet, and the stamens wiggled in protestation. The stem swiveled as if it were dancing, and she watched the leaves bend inward. Ame planted her hands on her hips, mimicking the obvious gesture, and glared at the cheeky rogue of fire flower mate. Which made plants had a degree of cognizance and communicated through intuition or telepathy. Ame's flower mates were unique, the only species to exist on the island of chaos. Magic and non-magic blossoms had been crossbred to produce humanoid plants that walked, talked, interacted with mortals and witches. The plants that housed the flower mates grew to be the size of a horse. But Ame harvested the seeds when they were still juvenile and fit in a pot. She braced her hands on the edge of the table and narrowed her earthen brown gates. The rogue of fire orchid, a type of flower mate designed to bring out cardinal appetites and a blatant disregard for rules, bobbed from its buried roots to its stigma. It receded a fraction, deceptively showing its deference, but without warning, it shot forward and dispensed pollen into Ame's face. Ame coughed as she sucked in a mouthful of yellow dust and waved her hand in front of her face. Now that was uncalled for, she admonished the flower mate. She was rewarded by the petals curling inward, covering the ovary, and refusing to part with its seeds. Unreasonable. That was the characteristic the client had asked her to replicate. It was clear she succeeded. Ame challenged nature, and now she was arguing with a stubborn orchid that wanted to drive her into a frenzy. Annoyed by the adverse opinions of the rogue of fire flower mate, Ame grumbled. Your powers of seduction and sass will not work on me, my friend. Cease this display of protestation. I'm getting those seeds, and I'd like to gather them with your cooperation if you don't mind. With a flare of her aura, green magic infused the plant, and her instructions were infused into the plant. Resigned to its seed-collecting fate, the rogue of fire flower mate opened its blood-red petals and remained still. She raised her brows waiting for the orchid to start its banter again, but it kept its inferred promise and behaved. So that's the introduction of Ame and her flower mates. So, you know, she's very scientific and very in tune with her plants. And um, yeah, I just, I, I really love this character. Um, she just, uh, she really resonated with me when I wrote her and I'll, and it's just, you know, I think it kind of shows as you go, as you progress through the book that she's just really, very special. And uh, 
The next chapter is chapter two. This is, um, I'll read Zephyr's introduction as well. So you kind of get a feel for the main main care too. Because he's pretty cool. <laughs> he's got that kind of shy gothic, you know, thing going on. But I super love it. <laughs> Zephyr Maxis rested his chin on his clasped fingers as he listened to a vexed mortal. Mrs. Rendell had come to his bone consultation business, the humorist, to inquire about a finger bone. She suspected the phalanx might have belonged to her missing husband. Mrs. Rendell fidgeted with the leather strap of her purse as she stared at him in mournful silence. Dim orange candlelight cast shadows on her pitiful features, and he felt her distress as if it were his own. Zephyril's magic created an overwhelming empathic dissonance with people, and it caused him physical pain. The layer of epidermis that conducted magic was sensitive, and his mind was potent with activity. As a result, he was untouchable and absorbed magic auras and emotions in excess. He was a sponge for other people's feelings and a magnet for all things supernatural. A tingle of nerves through his being signaled that the power of the bones was easing the empathic condition that manifested from the proximity to Mrs. Rendell's grief. Before her emotions could be sucked into his body, the bone magic dissipated and scattered her projections into the etheric field. He watched as the bones embedded in his building glowed to match his indigo aura, indicating that it was safe for him to proceed with the consultation. He watched as Mrs. Rendell drew a black velvet box from her silver embroidered handbag and pushed it across the table surface. Zephyrio noted the crowded bones in his divination table glowed red in reaction to the box's contents. The bone inside the velvet box produced a terrifying energy that clashed against his aura and produced a screeching turbulence. His neck stiffened and he cringed against the facsimile of nails clawing down a chalkboard. Zephyrio's in Indigo aura radiated off his body and veiled the room. A dull wobble of sound waves echoed as his psychic senses merged with the bones fixed in the maroon-tinged table. He felt his magic activate and stared at the bones that would help decipher the message from the dead. So, like I said, Zephyril has, um, you know, death magic, but he also has this magic condition um, where he absorbs people's emotions so potently that um, he, uh, they like it basically invade his system. So, um, and he's got like a degree of neurodivergence too. So his brain is kind of also um, a little bit overactive as well. Um, so he's got like all this kinds of things that cause him this chronic pain. And if someone were to touch him, then he would um, actually have like a nosebleed or go into a seizure, depending on how how long they were in contact with him. So he's got he's got some problems there. But, uh, you know, so we see that journey with him as well. But the reason that he um, so that he has this is because bone witches need a degree of um, em empathy in order to commune with the with the dead and uh, so he has bones that are actually embedded in every part of his house to keep him from um from absorbing people's emotions so the bones absorb the emotion the emotions instead of him absorbing them and if he does absorb them then it kind of like filters out and uh redirects into the bones and the bones kind of disperse it so 
Did, was he born with these with the with that condition where he can't like his can't touch people sounds like he can't touch people <laughs> i'm wondering how the romance is going to work with that um or is that something yeah, yeah, that he can't touch is people. an effect is, 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 oh is yeah yeah like this is... an effect of like the magic that he has or something else or just something he was just born with that is not related yeah um so he was born with it and um it didn't um it didn't kind of like it was it didn't really manifest in a um in a life threatening way until he was like about like, you know, eight years old. And uh, he was playing, I mean, we, this is not in the book, but um, he was playing with a friend and this will be in another book. He was playing with a friend and when he got, um, and when the friend uh, touched his bare skin, then he ended up having a seizure. And that's how they discovered that his condition was much different than other bone witches. I was gonna say that's interesting that you have male witches because in a lot of fantasy books a male witch is a warlock so it's interesting that you kept it as as witch being a non-gendered term in your world that's cool yeah yeah I when I was deciding um about about writing this series I was like how do I want to approach this because like you said we have there's a very distinctive difference in the genres between a witch and a warlock a wizard you know, a sorcerer, these kinds of things. So when I was deciding on the term, I was like, you know, and, and I looked up the word witch and I was like, okay, so witch is actually not a female term. <laughs> right. You know, it is gender it, neutral. And I was right, like, right. okay, cool. Let's just, let's make them all witches. We'll make the, the men witches, the female witches, everybody will be a witch. And I kind of liked it too, because I also felt like um, putting a female term onto um, um, the male half of, you know, the race also kind of empowered women too. Like it made, it made a little bit more, it made things a little bit more equal. So there's, it wasn't like this separation of males and females either. So it kind of unified things. I see. I see. So that's really cool though. But you're right. Like, which is really isn't a gendered term, but over time it's kind of become that. Right, <laughs> At least right. We have it. We associate, you say the word witch and someone is picturing a woman, not a man. That's yeah, cool. exactly. I love to, I like to turn things on their heads like that. And uh, yeah, to no, address you the should. romance. Yeah. You should. Sure. As fantasy writers, we have that ability, but to go back to what you're saying before, like, yes, in, in like the larger, like in like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, there is specific, you know, very specific definitions for witch, warlock, wizard, sorcerer, whatever. But we as fantasy authors get to define that for our own worlds. We don't have to follow what's in there unless you're trying to, you know, um, um, what the what words? <laughs> They're all running away from me tonight. <laughs> Unless you're trying to like appeal to a specific audience, like if you're trying to write it for the D and D audience, you'd want to use things that they're familiar with and stick to what they know. But if you're not trying to, then you can kind of do your own thing and make it mean whatever you want. So, yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the things I love about being a fantasy writer is being able to um, to build worlds from like, from scratch and just really filling in those details. It's also why I write standalones within a series. I like to take each book and make it like a little piece of the puzzle to the overall world that I'm building. So there's like, even though like different things are happening, you're getting like a little bit of a snapshot that by the end of the series, like makes up this really cool picture. 
So let's go back to that. So yep. you have a series. So every so every book in the series stands alone, which kind of blows my mind because usually if it's in a series, it's not a standalone. So can you explain that a little bit? Yep. How so, does that work for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, so first, uh, when I build the books and the stories, I have to pick two people each time. Um, so I, when I'm mapping that out, I have to kind of figure out like whose story I, whose pair of stories I want to um, tell at you know, during each book, and um, ultimately the story leads to um, two sets of couples. So there'll be one couple that'll have like a three book series that'll kind of you know, it just takes three books to tell that. <laughs> and then there'll be one at the end that'll finish the story. Um, so ultimately, the um, the series does develop in a way that leads you to these two two couples, um, which are like big power witches and magic and that kind of thing. But um, the couples themselves are giving us a viewpoint of each part of the of the the city and um, I'll just hold up um, and describe the map here. So here's the map that's in Divine and Devour, and you can what it is is um, the castle of Aquitus is right smack in the middle, and then the streets kind of branch out like petals and like a like a clock pattern. So there's twelve different um, streets. And they've each got like a different name to them and they each have different um, functions. So the street names are Soul Street, Divination Street, Industrial Street, Justice Street, Capital Street, Fashion Street, Market Street, Entertainment Street, Ink Street, Blood Street, Pious Street and Healing Street. So when I pick a couple, usually I'm picking a couple that belongs to each of these sections. So you'll, I go through and then I, I use the, use that section of the city to, um, to kind of draw down the focus instead of on the whole city on just these little tiny sections. And then that kind of like gives you a better understanding of what's going on, like in the minute details of, of the, of the world. And then, of course, there's like the the bigger picture, too, of like, you know, the different kinds of magic and that kind of thing. Um, and then the so those are that's that's how it happens within each book. Um, but then the overall kind of, you know, theme is building towards, um, like I said, these two couples that are going to be, you know, big power players in the series. So in each of the um, in each of the books one character appears in every single book as the villain and uh also the the uh the deity appears in every single book so um it kind of connects in that way so you kind of you you get this sense of this very slow kind of burn of you know the plot but um you know when you read each book you get a better sense each time of how intricate and um, important the magic is to the witches in the world. And there's also mortals in this too, so there's people without magic. 
Um, and then it kind of, sh the reason I called it uh, the kingdom Libra or the city Libra is because um, the, there's, there's always a balance. So there's always a balance between non-magic and magic. And there's a balance between the people who have magic. There's a witch council. There's a, there's royals. There's different kinds of things that are always, there's a court, uh, there's a judicial court. So there's always these little things that are kind of constantly weighing each thing to keep the everything in balance. And then we see this villain kind of come in and upset that balance each and every time we get a new book. That's cool. So let's let's talk about that magic system because that's a really cool way of doing things though. I, I like that. I've never thought of doing it that way. But like picking like as like a minute area in in a city and i usually i mean i have like a couple of main char favorite characters and anytime i'm gonna write a book it's like all right what are they doing can they be in this book <laughs> it's him he's in like everything it's like what is sarn doing can he be in the story somewhere <laughs> Yeah, I really, I got, I got super um, attached to Ame and Zephyril, so I keep trying to throw them into, and they're going to have another book later in the series because going back to that whole untouchable thing, like that's not finished. So we got to, we got to fix that. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to have a relationship when they, you know, I mean, I guess you can yeah. be very like innocent, um, more like conversation and hanging out, but like not, no touching. That's yeah, I mean, you have to read the book to see what happens. But yeah, if you so this is so this is also something that's unique to my um, to my writing style and my series. I have two sections of books. So I, I have um, a clean version of these books and then I have a spicy version of these books. Um, Ame and Zephyr's story will always be clean because of his magic condition. And I strongly stand by that. And uh, we'll always stand by that. I have some, you know, extra scenes that I give off in my newsletter for people who prefer it, you know, a little more heated. Um, and we but, have links in down in the description or the show notes. We, we do have the link if you want to sign up and get those scenes. Sorry, I just want to make sure everybody is aware that if they're like, oh, I want this, where do I get it? The link is in there. Yes, in the yes, place. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> click on the link. It's, it's a free newsletter. And I send it out twice a month and all of my members get the get bonus scenes. And I make like short stories, too, that you get for free, too. So I have a lot of like free, like little um, I have coloring pages and things, all kinds of fun stuff that I do specifically for the newsletter people. Um, and it but, sounds like yeah, they feature so, Amma and, and, and Zephyr. So if you fall in love with yes. them, there is plenty more. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, go on. Really I just is. had to toss that in. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> um, yeah, so that one's always going to be clean. But Spindle and Shears and Divine and Devour, um, Spindle, and the, uh, Spindle and Shears retail version is clean. And then if you want it more spicy, it's you buy it direct from me on my website. Um, and I don't write I don't write erotica. So let's just put that right out there. It's not it's not prevalent in my series. The fantasy is always going to be the driving force then there's like the mystery that underlies it and kind of sews in, you know, the suspense and the thrill. And then the romance is, you know, kind of like the third part portion of it. So it's there, but it doesn't like, it doesn't um, invade the story. You can take it or leave it, which is why I have two versions. Um, 
and uh, Divine and Devour. This from Divine and Devour on, and this is the point uh, that you'll see on the retailer. I put a note down there. That's going to be spicy, and then everything will be, you know, kind of. It'll have those open door scenes, you know, from the rest of the series. But I have all of the clean versions on um, my website to purchase. So I have, I have the two versions like that, and it came about like that because I had two types of audiences. I had, um, cause I started out as an epic fantasy writer. So I had one audience that was like, it must be clean. It must be fantasy. And I had one audience that was like, it needs to be a little, you know, more heated, you know, to kind of, you know, capture my interest. And so I kind of took both sides and I, in, in this particular series, like I said, cause it's, it's written in such a way that I can take it or leave it because the plot is is very much um, boxed into the fantasy. So I can take or leave, you know, either that romance act, um, aspect. And so I gave it to both people. Now everybody's That's happy. That's really cool. <laughs> I, 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 happen, I write epic fantasy, but I don't really write romance. There may be some like mild pining in some books. That's as far towards the romance as I go. I love action books. <laughs> But that's really cool that you were able to satisfy both. And like, did you, you said you started an epic fantasy and now you moved into more romanticy, um, but also having epic fantasy, less romance books in the same series, which is very cool. What led you into the romance? Is it just the, the story and the characters called for it? Um, so uh, for me personally, I like both. I love that action packed, you know, here comes the Calvary, you know, where are the dragons when you need them, you know, energy. And then I also like that kind of, you know, finding true love along the way kind of idea too. So I, I do both because that's just how I feel things. Um, my, but my true passion is in epic fantasy. At some point I would yeah, love same. to write <laughs> something like Tolkien, you know, just really like go and like, the full female version on that. I would love to do that um, in the future. So my true passion is always going to be in fantasy and epic fantasy. But yeah, there I do really enjoy the feeling of, you know, falling in love and finding your true love and soulmate. So I, I just kind of did both because I liked both. And uh, for this, for the Libra Witch series, it just sort of worked that way. Um, whereas my other series was, very very focused on one character like you know and she she was going to be the the star of the show and that's kind of you know how i felt about that no that's really cool so let's jump over and talk about the magic system you keep mentioning that the magic oh, yeah, system yeah. we got, yeah, magic, we got magic. i want the details come on bring it give us the details I, I love that stuff. Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I actually specialize in magic systems and world building, so um, this is where I like to do all of my talking as well. And I'm sure you, as you've read, as you listen to the excerpt, you can see that I'm very detail oriented mm -hmm. as well. Um, I love descriptive and imaging, um, image writing, that kind of thing. So my magic systems are very detailed. Um, so with the Libra Witches, um, I actually, I, I sat down and I was like, how is magic created? Like when we write epic fantasy, we often are just like, it's magic, it happens, <laughs> you know, and we get all excited about it. But I really thought about it in this series, especially since my um, first female main character was so scientific. So um, 
the way magic works with these particular beings is it's supernatural and it's biological. So there's um, a, a, a god, I guess you could call him. He's kind of gender neutral in certain places. <laughs> he's, but he's the, he's the embodiment of, of the universe and um, the chaos of the universe. And so he bestows upon the very first witches, you know, this ability to harness the uh, chaos of the universe. So they have like a, so witches have a kind of a direct connection to him. And so they're able to like uh, feed off of that and then produce magic, but they also have a biological aspect. So they have a, a magic producing organ behind their solar plexus. And they also have um, a layer of epidermis that's right underneath the top of their epidermis. So it's like between the layers of their skin and that conducts magic too. So if you think of like, um, like an electric eel or an electric stingray or some kind of fish like this, um, that's kind of the way that the, the witches produce their magic as well. So it's, it's part supernatural, part biological. And some witches like divination, which is they have like um, some extra tissue that's in the middle of their forehead or under their eyes, behind their ears. And these help them to see into the spirit world. So it, it heightens these different parts of their biology, give them specific qualities that produce certain magic things. So for example, Zephyrium, his layer of epidermis that conducts his magic is really, really thick. And it's un, it's abnormally thick, which is why he's so sensitive to touch. And uh, it, it also helps him, though, to bridge the gaps between the physical world and the spiritual world. So he literally walks in both worlds, like at all times. And um, the, the and when you're born, you're born with a certain you're born with an aura. So everybody gets a specific aura color, um, and it's the colors of the rainbow basically, and with a, a few extra hues in there. Um, and then the auras will indicate what kind of witch they are. So Zephyrio has an indigo aura, which means that he is going to be he would have been some kind of divination witch or something that you know was in tune with psychic abilities um and then because his parents were both bone witches it would just he would just have to see if those if those magic powers manifested that way which they did but his aura indicated what type of witch he would be <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> ame is a <clears throat> sorry i'm on the tail end of covid here <laughs> um mind uh, Ame has a green aura, so hers is directly related to healing and growth, um, things of this nature. So she could have um, ended up as um, a witch who worked in the hospital or with an apothecary, um, you know, doing medicines and that kind of thing. And she does, she did actually have a medical license um, to dispense different types of medicines. Uh, prior to owning her shop. So, um, you know, she has that kind of ability too, but her her main passion and her main um, magical force is directly connected to the plants. So, you know, that kind of, that 
plays a part in it as well. So that's what the the actual witches look like. Um, and then the supernatural aspect is that chaos um, is a form, and that um, and he went to sleep, and so he's there, but he's but the world is autonomous, so he's not directly involved in it. Um, and uh, there's little strings, and like this, and I take string theory and I magic, <laughs> I magic string. Yeah, theory. I've done that too. It's if you if you've ever listened to like what string theory is, like it sounds like magic. Anyways, uh, I think Brian Green has a really good book about that. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. I just took string theory and I made it magic, and so the strings are vibrating through the the universe and so you you not only are resonating magic through um your biology and chaos but you're also resonating through the strings as well so that's kind of how you can access it from the universe point of view so if you have a indigo aura and you're resonating with an indigo string then that's how that kind of happens and um uh libra has like you know, its own grid, because that's where chaos is sleeping somewhere on this island. They don't know where he is. They just know he's there. <laughs> There's this whole little grid line of magic that happens with that. And um, the strings, though, are super important because that's how people become soulmates. So only witches can be something called a heart song. And so what happens is, is that the string, the aura that's vibrating inside of one witch will harmonize with, com like, perfectly and completely harmonize with another witch in such a way that it alters their, you know, their biology and their, um, their emotions and their magic, and they just become like one unit. So that's also part of the the magic there. That's really cool. I don't know if my world has soulmates. I've not told into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. I like that. They harmonize. So when they become one unit, that they're just like a couple. They hang out together. Like, what does that mean? They they work magic together. Uh-huh. So um, not to I don't wanna spoil anything, but I do oh, have, okay. You know, okay. I do have characters that become hard songs. And um so what happens is um, you if the characters touch each other somehow, like brushing hands or bumping in the street, the auras clash together. And um, when they and then they'll the auras will kind of merge and they'll, you know, make them they'll make music. And what happens when it becomes a heart song is the music starts out with these two kind of harmonizing chords and then it builds into like this whole orchestration and drives them nuts until they accept the bond. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a good, it's also like a driving force to like make sure that these two people get together. Cause I mean, like you could like be like, Oh, this is some cool music that I just heard in my ear and then, you know, walk off and not know what it is. But the heart song is so um, empowering and so um, overwhelming that it becomes like a living thing. And that's I, cool. I, yeah, I have a degree in opera, so I wanted to put some kind of musical aspect into my magic too. I was going to ask if you had a degree in music because there, there's so much here that like it's just very cool. 
Yeah, uh, so blown away. Yep. That's really cool. So uh, my fourth book will actually be my ode to my music side of oh, my so you, so you're going to put even more music in. That's interesting. So you mentioned yeah. fourth book. How many books are out? So you've mentioned a couple of books. Yep. So there's three books that are out. Um, and then the fourth book will either be written the end of next year or the beginning of 2025. So we'll see how that goes. I'm taking a little bit of a break from the Libra Witch series to focus on my epic fantasy series next year. But yeah, so there's three books out and there's a fourth book coming. So, and and for anybody who's wondering, we're recording this day on December 16th. It is 7 p.m. in the evening for me here in New York. I don't know what it is elsewhere. Um, so yeah, so that's, well, yeah, so that's where we are today. Uh, you should come back for the Epic Fantasy series. Come back and book another episode and we should talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally do that because that's, that's my so jam. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's, like I said, that's my passion. Someday I'm going to do a Tolkien thing and it's going to be awesome. But yeah, I've got. Why I've got someday? Because like I have a Tolkien <laughs> thing that I started doing in 2016. It's still going. <laughs> oh, I got to, I'm, you know, my brain has to, I'm a plotter. So I have to plot the the book before I write it. And like, I don't know, it's, it's still fermenting up there mm. as to oh, how okay. it's going to happen. I, 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 I think you plotters are amazing because I've tried to plot and my characters go, well, that's interesting that you want us to do that, but that's not what we're going to do in this book. And I am generally chasing after them going, what are you doing? Are you going to save the world? How are you going to do it? Cause you're not listening to anything that I have suggested. <laughs> yeah. So writing yeah. a book is me just chasing after them, trying to figure out what are you trying to do here? I could help you if you would tell me. <laughs> it's a mystery even to you. <laughs> it is. It is. And then I go back and I'm, I'm like reread it. And I'm like, well, thank God it all holds together because I didn't know we were going to get here from there. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, I think plotters are awesome. I just, I've tried the characters just take the outline and set it on fire and go off and chase dragons instead of whatever they were supposed to be doing <laughs> like leave me here like guys we promised we would do a certain story that means you have to do it <laughs> yeah i love that you have organized i guess it's not chaos you have organized you have organized storytelling and i have chaotic storytelling yeah i i don't know how i do it it's i i just you know it it I, the idea comes into my head and then I, if the idea sits with me, then I know from start to finish and then all the little details that go on with it. And then I sit down and write it. And some, and I mean, there's a degree of, you know, flexibility that has to happen mm -hmm. too, because my initial plan doesn't always work out the way that I intended to, but I at least, you know, I at least get the, get the first draft down there and I'm like, okay, now now we got to figure out if this is really the way we want to go to it. So, but That's I mean, really I have an cool. amazing team that helps me um, fill in the gaps or tells me like, you know, when I've plotted something just really weird, <laughs> and my editor's really great at, you know, helping me kind of, you know, make sure that my structure is, you know, it, it works and it's not just, you know, me imagining something in my head and then thinking that other people are going to understand like the, the chaos that's in there. <laughs> oh, I've been envious because all the editors I've used, like they, had no, they were, I got very little about 
the thing about the story and stuff and like i found out a couple of them were actually fans of the series before and i was like what do you need to you know like i was like what are why do i not get anything about like the thing like well i don't want to press i don't want to influence the next book or what you do i want to see i want to see the chaos as it happens <laughs> so i admire that i don't have that I, like everybody won't nobody will tell me anything <laughs> they're they don't want to influence where things go so <laughs> my alpha readers are really funny they um uh i have this group of three girls that are like just really close they're not they're women they're <laughs> so they're full grown lovely they're women yes yes at heart <laughs> and they um they are so funny because every time I I get a new book or you know I talk to them about the idea of the book and stuff, they like start um they start like you know doing that old Sherlock Holmes thing like trying to like figure out like where I'm going with the series and like they start um, theorizing and everything and I'm just like you guys are hilarious and I'm like sitting there like I mean I would like to tell you but I I want to keep it a surprise too. <laughs> Oh, wow. See, I wouldn't be able to tell them because I don't know where the characters are going until they've already gotten there. <laughs> At the end of the chapter, I'm like, oh, all right. So that's what you wanted to do. You could tell me. <laughs> Any oh, yeah. hint would have been nice. Right. A dream, anything. <laughs> right? All right. So back to the publishing schedule. Yeah. So next year you're working on the epic fantasy. So you might get a book out for that series. And then the next year after that is back to the Libra Witches. Yes. Yep. And we'll be cool. working on lies and lyrics and it's going to be um, double agents and um, uh, getting into the the politics of things. The villain's going to come out with a big punch. So this is like kind of like me kind of starting to turn the wheel towards um, towards one of the bigger books. By bigger books, you mean longer or just? Oh, I more... mean like plot wise. It'll be like you know the um. So, um, in the as each book goes, right at some point, and I'm hoping 2029 is when this happens, but we'll <laughs> see. I'm hoping. I love by that you have plotted out to 2029, <laughs> and like I've only just gotten the characters to agree to what books we are working on in first quarter of next year. <laughs> I would love them. I would love to be able to get their agreement on what we are doing in 2029. <laughs> they won't even tell me what we're doing in quarter two of 2024. So I think I think that's out the window. But go on. I'm sorry. I just I love that. Well, yeah, it's so in cool. 2029. <laughs> well, I'll have um, that whole year is going to be devoted to three books with only two characters. So. Um, that's like a it's a big point in the series and a big point plot wise and these are two like really important characters so that's kind of what I mean by that is that this um, the lies and the lyrics book will start to turn the series so that you see a bigger um, plot investigation as opposed to like before where we're just sort of kind of getting used to the series and the characters and the magic system and kind of, you know, really like just uh, getting settled and steeping in that. And now it's going to start to move. Oh, that's cool. So it, it sounds like maybe widening the view, maybe not as narrow a story as the other ones were, like but the focus might be a little wider on what else is going on. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, 
the, I like to put, um, so from the third book, the villain will have a small point of view in each book. And so now we're getting, so it, the, it's still mainly dual point of view, but now we're getting like a bigger chunk of like this guy's crazy wacko ideas too. So it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit more prevalent and because it's this, it's about double agents. We're going to really start to see the nitty gritty details of why this guy exists. Like, why is this villain just running around the city? Like, why haven't you guys caught him and put him in jail? What is going on with that? Wait, he needs a reason. (laughs) Right. I mean, cool things just can't happen because they're cool. Yeah. So he's going to, we're going to figure out what the deal is with him. I mean, not, not all the details, but we're going to, we're going to start getting into that. And, How many? Uh, go on. And bringing in some danger and some, uh, you know, some really cool kind of, you know, kind of magic things too. I really liked um, Spindle and Shears. I know we're not supposed to have favorite books, I know, but I think Spindle, but of I do. Of course we are. I have favorite books. I just have a lot of favorites. I know, right? The Spindle and not Shears. Not all of them are mine. Was, um, that book was like a stroke of genius. I don't even know what happened when I was writing it, but somehow I was possessed by the pen. And that book just was like, just so, not perfect, but just so well written. And I want to get back to that kind of feeling where it was, it's just, it was just the pacing was really good. The suspense, the mystery, the, the fantasy aspect, the balance of the romance and the characters. So I'm kind of using that as like my, um, as my foundation for lies and lyrics too. So I want to kind of, you know, revisit that and see what I can do to kind of um, bring about another genius moment. Oh, I hope you can. How many books uh, do you think, did you, do you plan on for the Libra Witch series? Um, I'm planning on, 15 books, I think. Nice. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, there'll be a, there'll be two spinoff series. One will be futuristic fantasy that will spin off and one will be young adult fantasy. And so that one will be like the, that one will be just very, um, straightforward like clean, barely there romance because it's going to be about teenagers. And I strongly, very strongly believe that when you write romances with teenagers, it should be sweet and lovely and um, mature in a way that, you know, isn't uh, skeptical, shall we say. I like to have the romance be be there, but not not be something that is controversial. So that's just how I write my young adult. Um, romances, but it'll be all about the Witch Academy, so there'll be nothing but witches in that series, and it'll be about all the, um, all the, it, I mean, I don't want to say it like Harry Potter, but, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, like, they'll be, they'll be there learning about all their magics and um, being in the classrooms and things like that, so we'll kind of get into how witches become functional in society, too. No, that's cool, and the futuristic one? 
Oh yeah, the futuristic one, um, that one is going to be about alien witches. So um, what you find out in book three, and I, cannot, well, I won't spoil it, but you find out in book three that there is not the, there isn't just one world. There's multiple worlds. And um, so you'll figure out that kind of why in book three. And then that'll be about alien witches, basically. In, so, you, um, so string theory wasn't enough. Now you're playing with M theory. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was not enough. I had to, I had to keep going. <laughs> and, and anybody, if you've read any of the books about M theory, like the... It sounds like magic. Okay, it sounds like science fiction. Like if you need, if you need some sci-fi, you know, and and you're looking for <laughs> or some futuristic fantasy, and you're looking for a scientific basic, M theory might be your theory <laughs> is out there. <laughs> yep, so that's where we're going with that. And so I love that be... there are people who sit around and get paid to do actual math and science, like around this crazy theory, right? Well, my sister I, I is love a neurophysicist. Um, I love that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> there are people who get paid to do science on fantasy. <laughs> it is this pretty time. awesome. I love that there's going to be 15 books. So when is book 15 you think might be out <laughs> for our I future think listeners? I <laughs> think it's going to be out by 2035 or 2036. Okay, so if you're listening to this in 2035 or 2036, look for book 15. Yes, <laughs> and the and 14 be before the, it. The end of it, and you'll you'll be everybody'll be like mind blown. <laughs> well, and and you're going to come back for each of these so we can find out, we can get the update. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll be we'll be back with lies and lyrics and, and once that gets out there in the world. And we'll come awesome. back for the epic fantasy too. Yes. Please do. You're always welcome back. We've opened door policy. <laughs> I, don't, hey. I don't have very many rules on this podcast. <laughs> I'll just walk in and be like, hey, here I am. <laughs> hey, that works. You know, every once in a while I have cancellations and things. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's awesome. Is there anything you want to say about Blossom and Bone or, um, wait, wait, I'm going to get it right, Spindle and Shears? forgot the last third one mine and devour <laughs> that was it i was like something in devour <laughs> uh no i just um i think i i think i said everything that's you know that's there without you know revealing too much um they're like i said they're all little they're all standalones within the series so you can start anywhere and um they all have their own special uh their own special story. So I, I love them all. I love how everything kind of turned out. And this series is quick. This series is my bestseller and has quickly become, you know, very dear to my heart as well. I really, um, I really like it. And it's, it's has a very intimate relationship with my, you know, with my writing. So I'm, I'm very glad that it kind of, you know, burst itself into the world and it's out there and I hope you all will enjoy it too. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. It was great, you know, being able to interact with um, new readers and um, being out there and finding new new things to talk about, new people to see and meet. <laughs> yeah, I know that's the fun part of doing this podcast. I meet a lot of fantasy authors and I get to talk about fantasy books and I get to hear authors read their fantasy books, which is the why I started doing interviews. <laughs> 
That's sort of my favorite part of the podcast. So yes, and I love reading fantasy too. I've got your book on my TBR. I don't know when I'm gonna oh, get to it, but it's there. Which one? I have like 21. <laughs> the one that's behind you. Oh, oh, that one. Oh, okay. That's the Christmas one. That one's written in poems. <laughs> yes. And I and I also got whichever one was the first in your series for oh, that Curse, one too. Curse Breaker yep. Enchanted is the first one. Yep. Um, so they're there and they're gonna they'll be part of the the reading adventure. Oh wow. I I'm honored. So uh yeah, so since you pointed it out, behind me is the cover for Stars and Angels Sing, which was the Christmas book that I wrote in poems back in 2015. And uh, the 2023 edition is expanded with all the holiday stuff that has written since then. And you can get your hands on it. There'll be a link in down below under uh, underneath all of Mary's information. <laughs> Mine is always buried at the bottom of the details because <laughs> we're here to talk about her and not me. But um, since so she brought it up. So, yeah, <laughs> I did bring it up. Just quick tiny little mention I'll, I'll do a special i'll do an episode talking about the, the kickstarter and everything um soon anyway so you can so if anybody was wondering because i did mention it in a couple of podcasts that update's coming soon uh, i just need to get all the stuff out to the backers first and then give you all the details all right so thank you so much mary and um this has been an, another episode of fantasy lore and more i'm melinda Cusera, your host and um we talked to mary e jung and we were talking about blossom and bone spindle and shears wait a minute divine and devour did i get it yes, yes. <laughs> and 15 other books <laughs> we don't have titles for yet <laughs> so thank you so much for listening i hope that you have a great day or a great night wherever you are